Praise the Lord. This is Brother Julius again. We are in the First Corinthians chapter nine. In this chapter, Apostle Paul was talking about his own resume, how he was not taking money from the churches to sponsor the gospel. He was working and making the money to to sponsor himself, and he compared himself with uh, the other apostles. That even though the other apostles were were taking the we're using the we are getting offering from the body of believers to go about and some of them will have wives in the same but it's not he said I'm not saying this to shame anybody. He said God has ordained that in verse 14, we're in verse 14. If so as is even so as the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. When he compared that, God has said that that shall not more through the mouth of the ox that treaded out the corn. That God is using that as like a parable that those who are serving the altar. They also partake of the altar. Even the Aaron and his sons, when the people bring the meat to the altar, he sacrifices some meat, the others, the priests eat. That's why they are partakers of the altar. So that's how God ordained it. But he says, but verse 15, first continue chapter 9, verse 15, he says, But I have used none of these things, neither have I written these things that it should be so done unto me, for it were better for me to die than that any man should take my glory in void. That's Apostle Paul saying that. For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yeah, he said, Woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. For if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. It's more like saying, God has apprehended him. It's what he said. He said, The Lord apprehended him. And he said, I wish I would be able to apprehend the reason why God even apprehended me. He said that in the book of Philippians. That is, he says that he's is doing this like a link against his own will. Then there is a dispensation that is laid upon that. This is dispensation that is laid upon Apostle. You must do this. God has commanded you to do that. If he say if he's doing it willingly, he has a reward. But he's doing it against his will. It is a dispensation that is laid upon him. He has to fulfill the law of God. He called it. He was even apprehended of Christ. Remember, he was going to kill believers, persecute saints. When the Lord knocked him down and told him that now you are going to go and do this. And they will beat you too, they will persecute you, but you've got to do it. And that is what he was referring to here, that if I do these things willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. What is my reward then? Verse 18. Very that when I preach the gospel, I may make the gospel of Christ without charge, that I abuse not my power in the gospel. For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all that i might gain the more verse 20 says and unto the jews i became as a jew that i might gain the jews to them that are under the law as under the law that i might gain them that are under the law now i i've pointed this bible verse out that's verse 20 before in the place where we are doing bible discussion he said unto the jew i became a jew suppose unto unbeliever you talk to them like they like let's say you are going to a place and you are trying to witness to somebody, you saw how the man dressed, he's dressed like all those cowboys, say, oh, bah, how are you, folk? And you want to talk the gospel to them, you, you talk their lingo. Talk their lingo to them so that they will be able to listen. If you don't talk their lingo, most of them they will listen. That's why he means, to the Jew, I became a Jew, so that I can win some of them. To the one that is not the Jew, I behave as if I'm not under the law of the Jews, to be able to win some of them. So that's what Apostle Paul said there. And that is very important that when you talking to the to the professors that think they know science talk it at their level 
God give you the wisdom to talk at the level of their scientific knowledge. That's why God uh, brings some scientists also to know the truth and be able to talk at the level of the scientists. So it's called dumbfound those who claim that science is, is uh, contradicting the scripture. When you know that science is not contradicting, then you be able to explain to them and you may save some of them. To those who are laymen, you talk at their level. To those who are farmers, that's why Jesus Christ came. So in that generation, they were mostly farmers, cattle areas. So he was talking about to the gospel, about God talking the gospel to them using the layman's term, a seed sown. That's what the farmers know. They can relate to that. The seed will grow up, and when you grow up, some will be 34, 54. It was talking at their level. And if it's talk, going to talk in this generation to scientists, it's going to use something different to describe it. So that's why I said to the Jew, I became as a Jew, that I may gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, as under the law, that I may gain that them that are under the law. To them that are without law, as without law, They're being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I may gain them that are without law. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker thereof with you. Know you not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize, so run that ye may obtain. Now he's talking about comparing the, the gospel that we are carrying as running a race. Like you are running on limiters. Everybody's going to run, but somebody's going to win the prize. That's what he's talking about. But then run so that you can obtain the prize. See, oh, everybody's running, but the one is going to win the prize. But 25 says, Every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. What about temperate? You self control, self discipline. If you want to run a race 100 meters, you better discipline yourself to know the rule of the, of the meat of the race and also to brace yourself, get yourself prepared for that race. If you're going to run one mile, you better know the rule and then. Build up yourself for that one mile race. That's why he's saying everybody's temperate, self-control in this in this race. You want to be master of it. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we are incorruptible. That is when they run in the Olympics, all these people that are going to the Olympic and they're going to run all their sports, all their events, they have practiced and practiced and practiced the temperament and the temperate, they self-control themselves. Sometimes they have to eat this kind of food, they have to eat this size size of food so that they are ready, smart, ready to run the race and nothing win them now. But just to win a corruptible crown, a gold medal. So, but we are running this, our own race to win an incorruptible crown, which is eternal life, eternal kingdom. We already have eternal life, we, but the eternal kingdom to get a reward when you get there. Verse 26 says, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly. So fight I not as one that beaten in the air. I mean, you are not just by beating the air as if you don't have any target. So he has to focus. There's something he's shooting for. That's what it means. I'm fighting for a particular goal. I know what I'm shooting for. I want that immortality. I want that uh, translation in the rapture. So those are the goals that, he, that everybody should be searching for. But I keep my under my body and, have, and bring it into subjection. That's the temperament. Temperate in all things, you keep yourself self-control to bring your body unto subjection. Subjection to the word of God, subjection to the spirit of God. Lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Said that he's saying you don't want to be a castaway after you have preached to other people. You better do it yourself too. So we are to keep ourselves in self-control, temperate in all things. So that what after we preach to them, we ourselves are accepted 
He said, that's why Christ said that the one that is least in the kingdom is the one that is teaching it but not doing it. But then that we call great is you are teaching it, you are still doing it. That we are teaching what we do. And if that's what we do, it's giving us the grace and the glory and the growth. You better be doing it also as we are teaching it out. But those who are teaching it but they are not doing it, they regret because they will just be least in the kingdom. That was the end of chapter 9. Now we're going to go to chapter 10 of 1 Corinthians. And this is actually continuing on. Moreover, brethren, I will not that you should be ignorant of that all our fathers were under the cloud. Now it's going to bring some exhortation concerning giving examples of what happened in the days of Moses to exhort us. That remember, in the days of Moses, all these Hebrews, Israelites, they left Egypt following Moses into the wilderness. There's something happened in the wilderness. And all of them that left Egypt following Moses, not all of them entered that, that, entered that promised land. And that's what he's going to uh, use to exhort us. He said, I would not have you to be ignorant that all our fathers, the fathers of the Hebrews, were under the cloud. They all were following Moses and there was a cloud that was leading them, God's cloud. And all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat because they all were, when they all ate this uh, Passover lamb that allowed them to live when the Egyptians were killed. That's a spiritual meat in itself. And did all drink the same spiritual drink? For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. He said, but with many of them, God was not well pleased. For they were overthrown in the wilderness. From 20 years old and above, that left Egypt, the pronouncement of punishment upon them for disobeying, for disbelieving God, was that they were all to die in the wilderness and not cross the river Jordan. They never crossed into the land to go and see the land that they went out of Egypt to go and see, to go and live in. But their children, only probably under 20, were the ones that went into the land. By that time, they were 40 years later. But Moses, also, and Aaron couldn't go into the land for their own offenses. Only Joshua and Caleb and his only two adults, adults about 20 years old, that left Egypt, that God promised them they will lead the next generation into that promised land. So what happened in the wilderness? What happened? That's what he was going to use to exhort us here. He said, but many of them, God was not well pleased. They were overthrown in the wilderness. Now, these things were our examples. So the intent we should not lost after evil things as they also lost it. So it's saying we should not lost after evil things as they also lost it. Neither be ye idolaters as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. See, they saying that's idolatry because they were worshiping self, their self. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three and twenty thousand you see that in the in the book of exodus when they are when they were fornicating with the moabites and so on and so forth and there was plague among them because the young men went and were invited by the moabites to come and participate in their orgies and they were sneaking out to go and do it and the wrath of god was upon them verse 9 neither let us tempt christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. So when they tempted God in the wilderness, they were destroyed of serpents. 
Verse 10, neither murmur ye as some of them also murmured. And were destroyed of the destroyer. They were murmuring also in the land. They were murmuring against Moses. There was a time they said, Moses, you have, destroyed, you have killed the servant, the people of God. And they were murmuring. Murmuring means they were dissatisfied with what was going on. And instead of confronting Moses physically, they are all grumbling behind in their rooms, in their houses, in their tents, they were murmuring. And Moses was hearing those murmuring and it was bitter in the heart of people that are leading. If people are all murmuring and be angry and uh, you are leading a crowd that is not following willfully. They are not following wholeheartedly. The leader will not be in, 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 in good heart either. So that was what was going on in the wilderness. He said, let us not murmur like the murmur and they were destroyed. God, Moses said, you are not murmuring against us. God is the one leading us in this direction. You are murmuring against God. That was why they were being destroyed in those days. Verse 11. Now all these things happen unto them for examples. And they are written for our admonition. Upon whom the ends of the world are come. So it's for our admonition so that we learn from those mistakes of men of old. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. That's a warning to every one of us. Let he that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. We are standing alright, but take heed. Old farm, old farm, be granted in the word of God. Don't, don't, don't take it lightly. Don't sit on your laurels as people say. Don't sit on your laurels. This thing is serious. Take it like a fight. God, the devil is looking for someone to slide off the road. To let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Verse 13 said, There is no temptation taking you but such as common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted. Above that ye are able. But will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. So what about temptation that any believer, anyone is going through? He said God is watching it. And he will not allow the temptation that will overtake you to overrule you, overrun you. He's going to give you a way of escape to uh, escape it. Whatever the temptation is, look for a way of escape. And the Lord will open your eyes to see the way of escape so that you can bear it. It's not God that's tempting human beings, but when the temptation comes through circumstances or through men of the world or through Satan, look for a way of escape and stand your ground so that you don't fall into sin or into offense. Because what is the thing that make them to murmur in the wilderness? All the things that they couldn't, there's no water, there's murmuring, there's no food and so on and so forth. All of those things, God has already made a way to, for them, but they just have to wait a little longer and the water will be at that corner. But the way they are approached to things is what makes them to offend. Sometimes they start to and murmur and say, let's go back to Egypt. If you are going to a place and you are about there, but you can't see it yet, you are angry, want to turn back. Then the one that's leading you is, of, or is, is, is sad. So God is leading them is sad that these people are not following willingly. They are not following wholeheartedly. And that will make the leader to be sad. And if God is the leader, you they are offending God. Moses is the one saying, Moses says, I'm not the one doing this thing. God is saying this is where you go. And they are murmuring against Moses and want to go back to Egypt. So that is why they were all destroyed in the land because they were actually murmuring against God. If they ask, if you have they approach this thing right and present their case before God, say, let your request be made known unto God. Therefore, God said, let your request be made known unto God. And when you are making your request known unto God, we told us everything that be careful for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, thanking Him for what you have got so far. You are alive to even get this far. 
thank you Jesus then make your request known to him but you are not getting what you want here you are angry you want to turn back then you make the Lord as leading you to be offended to be sad also so let your request be made known unto God and the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your heart and mind through Christ Jesus verse 14 wherefore my dearly beloved flee from idolatry I speak as to wise men judge ye what I say the cup of blessing which we bless is it not the communion of the blood of Christ the bread which we break is it not the communion of the body of Christ for we being many are one bread and one body for we are all partakers of that one bread behold Israel after the flesh are not they which eat of the sacrifices partakers of the altar what say I then that the idol is anything or that which is offered in sacrifice to idols is anything but I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. And I will not that you should be have, you should have fellowship with devils. Now I was talking, I said in the earlier chapter, Apostle Paul was addressing this idea of eating something that was offered to idols. He first told them that oh, idol is nothing, there's nothing like idol. It is what well, we believe one God. But don't take that as a liberty to go into their temple and say, there's no idol, let me just eat it with them. They will be emboldening some people. Now it's going to come from another angle of this idol, meet over to idol and say, these people are actually, uh, they are sacrificing this thing to devils, evil spirits. So I don't want to partake with the with evil spirits. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. That's verse 21. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and of the table of devils. So now he's saying it's more spiritual than just the physical statue that you saw. That they well, that's nothing. It's nothing like that. It's just a, a, a statue. But then don't go and sit in the table and eating with them because they actually worshiping some demons, evil spirits. See, verse twenty said, "Do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than He? All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things are edifying not." Let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. Whatever is sold in the chamber is not going to give you some practicality of it. Whatever is sold in the market, say that it. Asking no question for conscience sake. Don't go to the market and say, oh, I want to buy this meat. Did you strangle this animal? Or did you cut his throat off? Or how did you kill it? Did you just shoot his head and didn't allow the blood to drain out? All of those things that the Jews used to say, this was kosher kosher meat or no kosher meat. So don't ask any question. They are selling it in the market. Just buy and eat and bless it and thank God. That's what he's saying in this verse 25. Whatsoever is sold in the shambles, that eat. Asking no question for conscience sake. Because when you begin to ask questions, it builds on your conscience. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Everything created by God. If any of them that believe not, bid you to a feast. And you be disposed to go, whatever is said before you, eat, asking no questions for conscience sake. Verse 20 says, But if any man says to unto you, This is offered in sacrifice unto idols, then don't eat it. For his sake that showed it, and for conscience sake, for the art is the loss and the fullness thereof. Because the man that pointed out to us, he is pointing out to you that oh, this is offered to idols. He wants you to agree with them that they, they are doing the right thing by worshiping idols. So if you are a believer, oh, you are worshiping idols? No. He said, don't, don't eat it for his own sake. But since the conscience, I say, not thy own conscience, but the, of the other. For why is my liberty judged of another man's conscience? 
For if I by grace be a partaker, why am I evil spoken of for that for which I give thanks? So you don't want people to be speaking of evil things of what you are giving thanks to God for blessing the way. He says, after, oh, I won't eat it there because that's how I don't worship it. I won't eat it because they are worshiping devils. Verse 31. Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Give none offense neither to the Jews, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God. Even as I please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. So he's saying, do everything that you want to do to the glory of God. I remember a minister said he saw a, a, a brother in Christ that was smoking cigarettes. When he saw the minister come, he quickly tried to drop that cigarette, but he knew that the minister had seen him. So he tried to justify himself. I said, if you can show him from him in the Bible where God said, don't smoke cigarettes, then I will quit. And the minister tried to use this and say, well, <laughs> The Bible doesn't say particularly don't smoke cigarettes. There's no cigarettes in the in the old in those days. But neither does it say don't eat this. I don't eat this thing because it's not because the Bible says don't eat it because I you know that it's not good for me. Nothing. And he said, well, you know what I will tell you. Anytime you want to smoke that cigarette, next time you light that cigarette, just say to Jesus and say, Lord Jesus Christ, I want to smoke this cigarette to your glory. Because the Bible said, do everything you want to do to the glory of God. So the next time you take the cigarette. And you want to light it, just tell Jesus Christ in prayer. Say, Lord Jesus Christ, I want to smoke this cigarette to your glory. And then you smoke it. If you are smoking to the glory of God, that's fine. And that man said he did that, he couldn't smoke a single one. The next time he saw this pastor on the street, I said, you know something? I quit. He said, why? He said, the next time I tried it, I tried what you told me. He said, try to smoke that cigarette. He told the Lord, I said, Lord Jesus Christ, I'm smoking this cigarette to your glory. He said something just rose up in his in his belly. He threw the cigarette away. From that time forward, he couldn't smoke any single one anymore. Why? Because you are expected to do all things to the glory of God. So if you are smoking that cigarette to God's glory and God is clapping us for you, then fine. But if you are if you are really talking to the Lord, God will make you see that you shouldn't be smoking that thing to, your, to his glory because it's not edifying to your body either. Now let's go to chapter 11 of 1 Corinthians. We read verse 1. Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Now, Apostle Paul is going to talk on something, another topic. Verse 2. So, now I praise you, brethren, that ye remember me in all things and keep the ordinances as I deliver them to you. But I will have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, Dishonoreth his head. And every but every woman that prayeth or prophesied with her head uncovered dishonoreth her head. For that is even all one as if she were shaven. For if the woman be not covered, let her also be shorn. But if it be a shame for a woman to be shorn or shaven, let her be covered. Now it's talking about the hair of, of, of the head of man and woman. And he, because they must have having question about that same talking said like, well, in the culture of the Jews, they 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 have it this way, and that's what he was addressing. He said, if any man is praying and prophesying, you don't cover your head with anything, because you are in the image of God. But he said, if any woman is praying or 
prophesying she should cover her head. What does that mean, covering her head? Some people read that and thought it may mean that the woman should put another handkerchief or scarf upon the head or head, head cover. But he was going to explain, he was actually talking about the hair. Because the hair in those days, women have long hair, and those who are not covering their hair, they actually fold it up here and have a ponytail and because they want to look smart like men. But that's, he said, that was what he was really uh, addressing it. Because it was good to point to, to it in the next verse that the hair was given to women to cover them. The hair, long hair. That's why women have longer hair than men. So that's what he was addressing there because in the African culture where our hair was not as long as the Europeans, people thought that he was talking about putting a, a, a cover, a cloth to cover the head. But you see, the hair was able to cover the head and it is covered their head up to their shoulders or to their body. That's what it, when they want to pray, those are holy women, they will lose their hair so it's covered their body. That's what it was addressed to. He said that was the culture. And he said, we are in the image of God. Men in the image of God, you, you don't need to cover your head. The women that are in the image of men, when they are now talking to the father of fathers, they should cover their head. That's what he was referring to. He said, every woman that prays or prophesies with her head uncovered, dishonored her head, not covered with clothes though. I'm going to point that one out as we read on. For that is even as if he was shaving. That is, if you as if you cut the head, the hair of the woman off, so that she is like a man. That would be shame for a woman to have to to be bald headed, like the men, or cut the hair short like men. They look ugly if they cut the hair short. Like at least in that generation, in that generation, they, they look ugly if they cut their ears off because the hair is beautiful for the women. So if a woman be not covered, let her also be shown. Let her cut her hair off, then if she's not going to cover. But if it be a shame for a woman to be covered, to be shorn or shaven, let her be covered. Say, so for a man indeed not ought not to cover his head, for as much as he is the image of the, and the glory of God, but the woman is the glory of the man. So let's, for the man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. Neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. For this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. You are under authority. That's what it means, because of power on your head. Under authority of your husband. Or authority of your father, if you are younger people. So you are to be under authority. That's the power over your head. Nevertheless, neither is the man without the woman, neither the woman without the man in the Lord. For as the woman is of the man, even so is the man also by the woman. But all things of God are this. Even the men are born through their mother also. So that's why the man is also by the woman. But all things of God. Now it's going to start to say, Judge in yourself, is it comely that a woman pray unto God uncovered? To the Gentile world, is not clear to them if they are not knowing the culture of the, of the Jews. Does not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, now you see he's talking about the hair on our head. If a man have long hair, it is a shame unto him. You see, nature tells us that. But if a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her. For her hair is given her for a covering. So that's what he's referring to. The long hair was given to women to cover them. Make them to be glorified, to be beautiful. That is really what he was adding to that. When a man have long hair, it's a shame if they are wearing their hair long. So that's as if the man is wearing his hair long, like a woman, it's a shame to, to it because it's the image of God. But the woman is giving her hair to cover herself to be a glory for man. The hair is given her for a covering. But if any man seems to be contentious, we have no such custom, neither the churches of God. So 
I was pointing one out in a place when somebody brought this question to me, I first couldn't understand it. I thought it was the scarf to cover the hair. But when they brought it up among the Europeans, that what is this talking about? Then the Lord brought me to that Bible verse that I just read. For her hair is given out for a covering. The Lord opened my eyes. Ah, that's what the Lord was talking about. The hair, the long hair was given to a woman for a covering. So that is what Apostle Paul is talking about, is the hair covering them. He said, well, we don't even have long hair to cover up, but whatever long hair you have that is long among women, leave it long like that. When you want to pray, you don't have to cover it again with another handkerchief. But you don't cut it like men. That's what he's talking about. You don't cut it like men. You want to just shave it off completely. But that would be a shame for a woman to not have long hair. That's why it's okay for people that don't have long and they put attachment to make it long enough to cover. That's okay. Even it's just an artificial attachment, is fine. I don't oppose to that. But it's a shame for them to cut it and be looking like men. Just, they, are, they are not, they are not doing, behaving like men. The Bible says in another place in the book of Deuteronomy that it is a, a man should not wear a woman's garment. A woman should not wear a man's garment. So now if you dress like a man and cut your hair like men and looking like men, you become a shame, not so also. That becomes an abomination. So that is why it is the long hair is to cover them. That's what it is referred to as the long hair, not the handkerchief or scarf. And he said we don't have that kind of caution. Now it's going to go to something else in verse 18. I will continue this in the next chapter. God bless you.